Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. I got a bottle and a half of water. Amen. Bless the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight. Amen. Glad to have Brother Tim back with us tonight. I know he was disappointed he had to work uh, today and didn't get to come, but I'm glad you got to be here tonight, brother. I, mean, I was praying that you'd be able to. And uh, do be... Do I tricked me. Brother Joe, I'm assuming. Uh, do be praying for those who are out working. Uh, they're working in dangerous conditions. You say, well, the wind's over. Yeah, but... Uh, power lines on the ground are dangerous conditions, amen, so be praying for them. Brother Sean is out working, y'all know him. Uh, he was supposed to be preaching revival tonight uh, through Wednesday in Greensburg and had to, had to call that off and pre- actually the preacher worked with him, they rescheduled it for the end of the month because of he's going to be working like crazy the next few days. And So y'all just say a word for him, I'm sure he would greatly appreciate the prayers. Uh, this weekend in Tennessee, Brother Tony, my uncle, was preaching and he got to talking about uh, the I can't remember what his alliterated phraseology was, but he talked about those un, sort of those unseen or unknown blessings, and he talked about prayers that have been prayed for you that you didn't even know were being prayed, that God has protected you from things, dangers that you never even knew were there, uh, and that and God has has done those things and answered prayers on your behalf that were being prayed that you never knew were being prayed, and so. Well, let's do that for, for some of these, amen? Some of them may not even be Christians, and uh, men like Brother Sean, who, who maybe they haven't asked us to, but let's, let's pray for them. You think about it, uh, you see a tree down, you see uh, someone without, you go home and maybe you don't have power, and let's pray we all, y'all get power back. Um, I think I said this morning, my dad and them got it back. I was wrong, they don't. None of them have power. Uh, the only one who does, I can't remember, they're saying we do, but I haven't been to my house since uh, Thursday, Wednesday night. So maybe we have power when I get home. I have no idea. We'll see. We're going to go home tonight and find out and make sure not all of our meat's thawed out or whatever. We'll stick it in a bag in the creek or something if we have to, I guess. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but hopefully all the power will be back this week and everybody will be safe. Uh, I am thankful that the Lord protected all of us. Amen. Uh, and, and we've already said that. I know we'll say it again. Tonight, uh, we're going to go back into the message from this morning since uh, the Lord kind of really sat in on that first point and we didn't really get to look at everything I wanted to. And I had planned to go to Daniel chapter 3 and look at the next uh, sort of in between, not really a Christophany, but uh, a type of the Lord there, which is more than a type, but it's, it's a, an appearance there in Daniel 3. But we're not going to do that tonight. Instead, we're going to look here uh, in Ephesians 2. Our text verses, we'll read those quickly as we've read them with each of these sermons on our vision for the year on growing together. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 uh, through 21 and 22. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the prophets and or of the apostles and prophets, excuse me, 
Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us as we look at his word. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your many blessings. Praise you, Lord, for each one that's here. I pray tonight, if you would, speak to us from thy law. Uh, Lord, help us, God, to seek you. And Lord, help us to hear what you've got to say. We love you. We desire to please you with our lives. Help us to grow together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, without spending too much time, just give you a quick recap from this morning. We've begun looking. We are looking on this thought of the giver of growth. And the giver of growth is God, the Lord Jesus. They, they give growth. It is Paul say, who said, uh, I've watered Apollos, or I've planted Apollos' water in God. Give it the increase. So we understand that growth only comes from God. Uh, last week we looked at the dispensing of the giver, how that God is the only one who gives growth. And this week we begin looking at the desire of the giver. The desire of the giver. Uh, and, and a number of things we want to say about that. The first thing we looked at was his accrediting. That we accredit him with giving and in doing so that affects our mindset. That affects the way we see things. That God is not only the giver of growth, but he is the owner of growth. It belongs to him because all things belong to him, right? We read there in, first Col or in Colossians chapter 1 uh, how that all things were created by him and for him in, for, in Colossians 1.16. Uh, so God has, uh, has magnified the Lord and he's magnified Jesus in telling us that not only were all things created by him, as John chapter 1 tells us, but that all things were created for him, which means they were like a gift to a son, right? Like an, it's an inheritance. Think of it that way for the Lord Jesus, that all things were created by him and for him, uh, and they were created for his good pleasure, that in all things, he said in verse 18, he might have the preeminence. And we really, the Lord, I would say the Spirit of the Lord, I believe, really focused us in on that thought this morning of Jesus being preeminent in our lives. That he is number one. That having him first in our lives should influence our methods. The things we do. We follow his guidelines and not the guidelines of the world. Let me just give you this little tidbit. The wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. Amen. Now there's nothing wrong with learning some things from smart people, okay, that aren't necessarily a spiritual thing. You can learn how to play basketball better from someone who plays basketball, and it's not wrong to do so. But when we talk about things that are wisdom, we talk about the matters of life, we should not be getting the wisdom of how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, how to be a good father or a good mother, how to be a good Christian, uh, how to live right from the world. Their wisdom is foolishness with God. Uh, God has no time for their wisdom. And you'll find that their wisdom does not align with the Word of God. And if it doesn't align with the Word of God, it's not wisdom. When we listen to it, we're following foolishness. Amen. So our methods, they need to be influenced by this understanding of who gives growth. Our motives, and we talked about that. We looked there in that parable in Matthew 25 of how that both uh, well, there was three, but we looked at the second and third, how both of them understood that their master would reap where he didn't sow and he would harvest where he had not uh, planted all those things. They both understood that, but they both had different motives. One, his motive was to please his master. The other, his motive was fear, right? 
and that we need to have the correct motives in serving the Lord, that if we are going to be good and faithful servants, then we must live because we desire to please Jesus. Amen. This influence, this also influences our mindset, which is our whole walk of life. We have to have faith, not to think ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but to keep that measure of faith and put it in Him because He is our God, we are His servants, and genuine growth can only be achieved within the perimeters of God's desires. What He wants should be the most important thing in our life. Amen. That is the accrediting of the giver. Then we look secondly here. We're looking at the desire of the giver. The desire of the giver. B, if you, if you, if you want it that way, B is the assignment of the giver. To borrow a misguided and misused phrase from the world, uh, you've heard the motto that they often chant, my body, my choice. Well, in this case of the church, it's Christ's body. It's his choice. It's not true in their case because they're talking about someone else's body. Just so happens to be fed off their own. But in the case of the church, the church is, the Bible says, the body of Christ. Right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 18, it says this, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. So uh, let me turn over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because I'm going to read some other verses from there here in a moment. And if you'd like, you can turn with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is, of course, uh, one of those chapters that deals so greatly with the body. It's where it talks about the many members and the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of thee, and all those things. We've, we've looked at those verses before, and I'm sure you've read them many times. Uh, but as we're considering this thought of the assignment of the giver, we understand this from our text verse. We are his... Workmanship, from Ephesians chapter 2, tells us. We, we did a lot of studying on that on Wednesday nights. Where's workmanship? Then you get down to verse number 21 and 22, and it says this. We are his building. God, we are fitly framed together, right? Into a, in a habitation of God. We are builded together as a, uh, a, a, for the Holy Spirit. That's what we are. We are, we are his building. We are his, uh, his habitation. We're called his husbandry in another place. We are his body. And God has placed us together for the case of building us into what he wants us to be. And we understand, as we did, that he is the head of the body. He's at the top. He's the brains of the operation, right? We understand that. Understanding that, we understand this. Not only is he the body, because we'll say, amen, he's the head of the church. Amen, he's the body, or he's the, the head of the body. He is, he's in charge. But what it means, what does it mean when we say He's in charge. What does that mean? That's one of those things that are easy to say. But maybe, maybe not as easy to put a finger on and say, well, this is what that means. And if I, don't, if, I don't, if I believe this, then this is what I've got to do. This is how I've got to live. This is how I prove my faith, right? And part of that is if he is the, if he is the assigner, he is giving the assignments, the assignments of the giver, then he assigns each piece in its place, Right? And that's the first thought. He assigns the place of each piece. And we read that. God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. What does that mean? God is in charge of the body, and therefore he is in charge of the parts, of the pieces. I want to use that word pieces, of the body. The hand, the foot, the eye, 
right? The mouth. And that's us. We are those disparate pieces. God takes those pieces, and the body works correctly when every piece is in its place doing its part. So, he assigns the place. Let's just talk about that place for a minute. And when I say place, I mean physically a place. Right now, we are in a place. The place we are in is Calvary Road Baptist Church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. There are Calvary Road Baptist churches in other places in the, in the country. But there's one right here in, Cal- in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. There's Calvary Road Baptist Church right here. This congregation, this building, this place. I believe God has put me in this place. Amen. That is why I, I came here and began to, to pray about becoming the pastor. And that's why you know, we went through the whole process in 2020. And the Lord is, has put us here because I believe this is the place where God has put me. Amen. Uh, if I did not believe that, I would not have come here. Right, right now, looking out here and, and seeing some of you, the reason that you're here, the reason I believe that you're here is because God has put you in the place where he wants you. There's a problem if you don't believe that. If you don't believe God has put you in the place where he wants you, then you need to figure out where that place is. Amen. You say, well, you're trying to tell me I should leave? Lord, no, I don't want anybody to leave. But I'm telling you this, if you're here, then you need to, you need to have this faith. I'm here because this is where God wants me to be. I do not believe in church hopping. Y'all have heard that phraseology before, right? I don't believe in, uh, you know, well, I just, I just go to church and I, I'll go to this one a couple weeks and I'll go to that one a couple weeks and I'll go to that one a couple weeks and I don't really have one set place where I go. I don't believe that's the way that God wants it because that's not a placing. You're really a part of nothing. And the Bible tells us we're, not, we're no longer strangers and foreigners. We're no longer sojourners. That was a word, an Old Testament word used for those who were not a part of Israel but would come through and pass through and then, you know, they would kind of sort of, kind of, sort of be a part but never really be a part, a sojourner, until they would eventually become converted. That's what we need. We need people who are where they are because they believe it's where God wants them, right? In the place where God has put them. This weekend, uh, Brother Tony was preaching uh, to just the men on Saturday morning. He did just the men's leadership and he preached a message called Going From Committed to Commended. It was a wonderful message. I'd love to get a copy of it and share it with some of you. Uh, but he was talking about Uriah and his life and how that God, there was this man Uriah that really, don't, y'all know who Uriah was? Anybody know who Uriah was? He was the husband of Bathsheba. In fact, you go to the book of Matthew and they're giving the, the, the lineage of Christ. Bathsheba is not mentioned. She is only mentioned as who was the wife of Uriah. Which he's called Urias in that Greek translation of original there. But Uriah there, and he's talking about Uriah. And why did God put such a focus on him that Uriah is actually listed as one of David's mighty men? And he kind of puts a focus on him. And he said, here was the thing about Uriah that was so impressive. And he brought it out in the scripture that it was, he was committed. He was so committed that David gave him a letter to give to his captain Joab. And the letter said, put Uriah in the front and back off and let him be killed. David gave it to Uriah, who delivered it to Joab, knowing that Uriah was so committed to his king and his captain, he would not read it. What an impressive thing, and what a despicable thing David did. David's greatest sin was not committing adultery, it was the death of Uriah. You can find it in the Bible. I mean, that was the greatest thing that God held against him, was the death of Uriah. 
who was a good man. And because of that, God honored him and made him one of David's mighty men and listed him, even though he is not a part of the lineage of Christ. He's not. His ex-wife is. The one he died and left to David birthed Solomon. But her name's not in Matthew, and Uriah's is. Why? Because God gives honor to those. And, and Tony's point was this. He said, those who are truly committed, God will commend them. That commending is, is, is basically you know, lifting them up, saying, look at this. Look how good a job, that good and faithful. That's like we looked at in Matthew 25 there, or wherever that was, 20, uh, that we looked at earlier. So we talked about that idea of being commended, and he asked a couple of pretty difficult questions. And he said this. He said a lot of Christians have a consumer mentality about the church they're in versus a committed mentality. So what does that mean? And I'm giving him credit for saying it because he did say that. So, so if he, this makes you mad, you can call him. I'll give you his number. I'll leave. No, I'm just teasing him. But he said this. He said a lot of people, they'll come in and they'll say, well, I'm thinking about coming to your church. They'll say, well, awesome. Well, great. We'd love to have you. Well, what kind of programs do you all have? What do you have for the children? What do you have for the teens? What do you have for them? What do you have for this and what do you have for that? And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. In fact, it's good to do those things for the furtherance of the gospel and for helping. And we just started doing children's church on Sunday morning. Do you know why uh, when, when Brother Dennis came to me and mentioned it to me, I said, yes, let's do that. I approve it. Let's go. Because it is an easier way to get the gospel to little children who may not listen in the pew, but will listen up there with just some kids and they get a chance to play and eat a snack. And then you give them the gospel. It's an easier way to give them the gospel. And that, that is for the furtherance of the gospel, right? But we don't just do it to be doing something. Tony made this statement, he said, and if they're at a church and then they find out a church down the street has a better program or a better this, or, well, it just, it fits our, our desires and our kind of needs a little better, we'll just go down there. Where's the commitment? The consumer mentality is this, the church exists to give me what I want and what I need. The church does not exist for me to give what I can to God. That's backwards. We're supposed to live for his pleasure. He does not live for our pleasure. The church does not exist for my pleasure and your pleasure. It exists for the pleasure of the Son of God. And what God wants is His children who have been saved to go to the place where He wants them, to get plugged in where He wants to put them, and for them to become a, a committed, contributing part of the church. Amen. For some, that's a big part, and for some, it is, it is a more quiet or, or in-the-background kind of part. Maybe somebody is leading singing. Maybe somebody is taking up the offering. Maybe somebody's over there. And, and we're going to look at that here now as we kind of transition. I wanna, we're talking about the place. When I say the place, I mean literally the local church where God wants you. The actual place, like geographically, where God wants to put you. But he doesn't just assign the place, but he assigns our post. And I use that word post, I almost, because I'm I'm I am an alliterator. I like to have alliterated outlines. And I was going to use that word position. I backed away from that word position. Because as soon as I heard it, I thought, there's a level of, um, there's a level of pride that comes with the word position. Right? Well, I have this position. Right? It's, a it's almost connected to a thought of status, right? Well, the position that I have as the pastor of Calvary Road Baptist Church. Well, I'm the, I'm the pastor of Calvary Road Baptist Church. Position, it gives a sort of, you know, you know what I'm saying? Well, I've been granted this new position at work. It, it's almost like a lifting me up. Look at me. 
And that's not what this is. We talked about that this morning. There's no glory for us. There's only glory for God. And if we take glory for ourselves, we are robbing God's glory. Anytime we glorify ourselves, we have missed an opportunity to give glory to the Son of God. What a shame. What a shame to miss an opportunity to point at Him and say, that's all because of Him, right? So we understand it. It's not a position, so I use that word post instead. Because that word post, you know what a post is? Bunk. You ever said any? It's like this. Well, that's where it goes. And your post is to stand right there and keep doing what I tell you to do until I come and tell you to do something else. Any of y'all who served in the military, but Jason, Ms. Brandy, I know y'all have got some familiarity with some of the others that, that have some familiarity of, of military-style military work. That's the way it works. Well, you go where I tell you, and you don't do anything else unless I tell you to do it. Right? Well, that's what it is when it says that God has set us. You know what you do with the post? You set it. He has set us where we're supposed to be in the body. When I came to this church, and I didn't plan on saying any of this, but when I came to this church and began to go through the process, and, and I preached a few times, it was coming up on the vote date. Y'all remember we took the, the pulpit down and set a chair up here and hand me a microphone and people were allowed to ask me questions. Y'all remember that? I got asked one question that I'll never forget, and I got it asked in here when I first met with the trustees at the time, the, uh, the pulpit committee, I guess is what they were called, and then I got asked it again in here, and that was this. If you come here, how long do you plan on staying? Do you see this place as a stepping stone until something better comes along? When I was asked that, I thought, that is a very weird question. Because I thought, is there someone who would say yes to that? Are people doing that? You know what the truth is? I have found out since then. Yeah. Because I talked to some friends of mine. They asked me that. That's so weird. And they said, well, you know what? It's not that weird. I've heard of some young guys who got out of Bible college and said this. It's like, well, I'm at this church, but, you know, I'm hoping that this will open up or this opportunity. And I'm thinking, that sounds like position, not post. When I came to this church, uh, my, my heart and my, my submission to God was, God, you send me there. I'll stay there until you kill me or move me. Amen? And what I mean by that is this. I plan on staying here until I die unless God physically or, you know, absolutely, undeniably decides at some point to move me just like he could you because we are his. It's not my body. I've seen a lot of men come in and make the church theirs. They want it to be theirs, and they want utter control. I don't want that. I don't want to have complete control of the church. Amen? I don't want that responsibility. I answer to God. You know what I want? I want to follow him. I want, I want this to be a Christ-centered church. And we talked about that this morning. But this idea of post is this. God put me there. Now you stay there and you do a good job until I collect you or I move you. Amen. That ought to be our goal when we go into any new work of God. Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to keep doing that till you collect me or move me. Right? Because he sets the members in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 4, it's talking about gifts in the first part of 1 Corinthians 12. He said this, he said, Now there are diversities of gifts, the same Spirit. And there are diversities of ministrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. Let's skip down to verse 11 just for the sake of time. Here's what I really want to focus in on this thought. He's talking about how there are different gifts, administrations, and those things, and operations, which means different people are suited to different things. And we can all agree with that, Right? Amen. We was up here having choir practice, 
and uh, somebody, I don't remember, Miss, Miss uh, Linda maybe said, hey, Brother Jason, come sing with us. And Brother Jason said, no, that ain't my gift. Now, I've never heard Brother Jason sing. Maybe he's just being modest. But he said, that ain't my gift. And I'll just tell you, I've been around some folks. I love them. And they can make a joyful noise so the sun goes down. But singing's, I wouldn't say, their gift. Right? If I were to ask uh, Brother Marty to come up here and play a song on the piano, could you do that? He's laughing. I'm assuming that's a no. I don't know. Maybe he had, maybe he had piano lessons. He was little. Chopsticks. Right? Some people have different gifts. Some people, you say, well, why don't you come teach a lesson in Sunday school? And they would faint at the thought. Others, they'll say, sure, I'll be there in 10 minutes. You know, they can, they've just got a gift, different, different diversities of gifts. Verse 11 says this, all these worketh that one in the safe same, self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally. That word severally means distinctly, separately. Then it says this, as he will. Who? The Lord Jesus. It is God's prerogative to place us where he wants us and to give the gifts to complete the works he wants us to do. God chose Moses to be the mouthpiece of God for all Israel, and Moses said, I'm not good at public speaking. So you know what God did? He made him good at it. Amen. God decides where we go, the place, and then he places us at a post where he wants us to serve. So my question is very simple to this. Are you serving in the post where God wants you? What post should you be taking up in the church? God wants us to be more committed. He wants us to be more commi committed to more, excuse me. God wants us to be committed to more than church attendance. Now, let me be careful. Let me, let, me, let me get you to focus on the way I said that. Some of y'all may have heard, well, Brother Paul said we shouldn't be committed to church attendance. He wants you to be committed to more than. That means greater than and equal to, right? Including church attendance, that's not the goal. Now, for some, for some preachers, and they, man, I'd be happy if that, if that member over there would just be faithful to church. Hallelujah. But that's step one of being committed. I'm committed to this church and being here, you know, every service I can, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be involved, I want to be a part of that and be there in my pew, in my place. But God wants us to be committed to more than that. Amen. God wants us to be committed to the work of the church, right? He wants us to be involved, not just here, but involved. That's what God wants. God wants that from each of us, to place us and then to put us at our post. If God has set the members in the body as it pleases Him, then what does he want me to do in this place? Now, my, my, my place in this, my, my situation is uh, a little more specific. I was brought here by God to fill a post as the pastor of this church. Most of y'all, all of you, have been here longer than me, right? And some of you were already at a post doing what God wanted you to do when you got here. The question is, are you doing what God wants you to do. I will admit there have been people stepping into a role at a church that maybe God did not want them to fulfill. Brother Tim, you've been in ministry many years. Have you ever seen that happen? Sometimes necessity brings that on, right? We've got an empty spot. It needs to be filled. And someone who is just faithful will say, hey, I'll do that. If nobody else will, I'll do it. And we'll say, nobody else here to do it. Will you do it? Yes. And then we walk away and we just leave them there. And they, they're squandering because they don't have that gift and they don't even really want to be doing that. But they also don't want to be unfaithful. Are you where God wants you? Are you doing what God wants you to do? 
If there's someone here tonight and you say, well, I believe, I firmly believe that God wants me to be involved in the bus ministry, but I just don't want to, you know, I don't, come let me know. If the Lord is putting that on your heart, amen. When I was stepping away from, from New Water and coming here, uh, it was a weird time. There was no, people weren't having church. It was COVID, all stuff's going on. Literally, y'all remember, the week y'all voted, we had COVID. And uh, I had planned, I really wanted to sort of, have someone there to take up the mantle I was leaving behind because God was taking me out from a post as the youth pastor and putting me into a new post here at Calvary Road. And I really wanted somebody to be in that spot when I left. I didn't want to leave a vacancy. Brother Sean had helped me for years at that. So I went to Brother Sean and I said, you think the Lord wants you to be the youth pastor here? And I expected him to say, yeah. He did not. He said, I'll do whatever Brother Tim needs me to do. And I thought, okay. Here's that faithful one who's saying, I'll, if nobody else will do it, I'll do it. I said, well, yeah, but what do you want to do? What do you think, Lord? He said, well, if I'm being honest, I've always felt like I was better at working with adults. You know, he has now worked, he now teaches. We taught the Sunday school for the teenagers for years. When, after I left, now he teaches the young adult Sunday school class. Things have changed. And part of what did that is he told me that and uh, and I was having a conversation with my brother-in-law, Jesse, and he, was, and he said to me, I wasn't talking about that necessarily, but he said, I, just, I wish your dad would, would offer me to work with the youth because I, I, I have a real burden for the youth and would love to do that. And I thought, I was shocked to hear that. And when I told my dad that, you should have seen the light come on in his eyes. Really? Really? Because he thought, I'm doomed, I guess. Nobody wants to be the youth. And, and Jesse stepped in, and, you know, there's been some growing pains here and there because there's always going to be when you step into a new work for God. But when, when a pastor finds out somebody has a burden from the Lord to do a specific work, it is a good thing. So if the Lord ever speaks to your heart, Braden, if he tells you, won't you sing that solo we talk about sometime? Amen. You know what I'm saying? The Lord ever speaks to your heart and says, hey, I want you to do this, don't hesitate. I'm being serious. I was, I, I'll joke me and Braden joking around. But if you ever say, Brother Paul, I'd, I'd like to take up the offering sometime, or I'd like to... Let me know. Amen. Uh, I, I'd love to sing a special. Let me know. I, I want to do that. You know, and by the way, don't let me forget. I've told you, my brain's a paper bag. Sometimes I do. But if you've got something and the Lord is speaking to your heart, that, man, I, I would love to get involved in this kind of work. I'd love to get involved in that. The Lord may be working you toward that because he sets us where we belong as it hath pleased him. And he gives the gift severally as he will. Right? I'll tell you what else that means. That means there ought not be any trouble over who's in what place if it is God doing the setting. Now, I will admit, there have been times where it wasn't. There's been times where there have been maybe less spiritual people involved and they were working things to their favor, and I'm not going to sit here and act like that has never happened. But if God is working in it, here's what God does. He assigns a place. He assigns the post he also assigns peace. You read in this same chapter in, 2, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 24, skip down there to verse number 24. He gets on talking about all those members, and he says members in particular, which means God has particularly placed them where he wants them. Verse number 24 says this. He's talking about, in the previous verses, those comely parts and those less comely parts, how that those parts that maybe don't have the big, bright marquee in God's eyes are more honorable because they're faithful to the work without the recognition, Right? In verse number 24, he says this, For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Verse 25, That there should be no schism in the body, 
but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. So what does that mean? I use that word post because I said it's something that is assigned to us. We talk, we're building, I've told you over and over, and I want you to keep that through all these sermons. God deals comprehensively. When we learn something, he wants us to build on that. God is a builder. He doesn't pluck and pick. He builds. He is He's a master builder. And so when we learned about unity, as we, are, we were dwelling together in unity, now we're learning about growing together. We only grow together in unity. Schism will stop growth. Amen. Schism will stop everything. If God is trying to do a work and the devil sends discord in the middle of it, it can, it can blow. Y'all have seen it blow things sky high, haven't you? So why is Paul saying this? He's saying this because he's trying to get us to understand something. God has set the parts, the pieces, us, in the body, as it pleased him. When God, when, when I look at a, 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 a new ministry or a new thought, a new thing in the church we want to do, I, I, spend, I try to spend a significant amount of time in prayer. God, will you show me what to do or show me who to put in that place or what to do? Because I don't want to go by my own wisdom. I want to be sure. And I may still step wrong. Or I, you know what I'm saying? But I want to do the very best I can to make sure I'm following the leadership of the Lord. Why? Because he's the one that puts the parts in the body. And if he does it, then all those who are at unity with the body are supposed to rejoice when you see one part of the body being blessed, being given a good thing, and you're supposed to mourn and have sorrow with those who are suffering. Right? So that means if we see someone who is given a new post and we think, well, wow, really they're getting to rejoice for them. That's what it means to have no schism, to be at unity with the body. That you rejoice when God blesses your brother or your sister. And when you see someone suffering, and maybe because of some situation in their life, have you ever seen anybody have to step down from a work in God, for God, because of situations in their life. Suffering, sometimes self-inflicted, sometimes not. We suffer with them. We pray with them. We love them. We be there for them. We try to edify and help them, right? What we don't do is tear the other parts of the body down. We have to be at peace because God has assigned peace to the body. The body's got to be at peace with the body. If the body's going to work, it's got to be at peace what he says this is the assignment of the giver i think i can close it out here quickly i've been 30 minutes according to my timer the assessment of the giver first corinthians 3 and read these verses quickly first corinthians 3 verse number 11 for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is jesus christ well look at this different passage different or different verse paul still building the same way where does it start jesus christ now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so 
as by fire. The assessment of the giver is this, the one who gives growth. Who is that? That's God. It's the Lord Jesus. He's the head of the church. He's making the calls. Those calls are his assignments. He's put us where he wants us, and then he places us at certain posts to do the job he wants us to do. He gives us the gift to fulfill the work he wants us to do, right? But then, when it's all said and done, here's the thing we have to remember. One day, we will stand before God. And when we do, he will assess our works. He will look at you if you were in the place where he wanted you. If you were fulfilling the work at the post where he placed you. And then he will assess all the work you did while you were there. Now that encompasses a whole lot of things. If you're a parent, a whole lot. If you're a husband, a wife, a whole lot. Those things I believe we're going to answer for. Because they've been, their commands were being given by God and how we do with those things. But let's narrow in our view. And let's just look at the local church, the body of Christ, and the work we do in junction with this body of believers, this church, Calvary Road Baptist Church. Are you faithfully in the place God wants you to be? Are you faithfully fulfilling the post that God wants you to fulfill? Those works will be assessed. He will assess our output. In verse number 12, we're given two categories of output. He said, now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. Now, the interesting part about that is all of those are materials with which you can build. Wood, hay, stubble, you can build with those things. Back then, hay and stubble were used a lot for roofing and thatch and things like that. Precious stones, gold, and silver. I mean, look at the building of the temple. You say, well, why would they use the temple? Well, because Jesus, I mean, where is habitation? The temple for the Holy Spirit, right? And he said, you're his building, habitation of God. So the greatest thing he had to compare us to there was a temple of God. So gold, hay, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, all these things are involved in the building of a temple for God. These things are necessary for building. That's our output. But he said this, it'll be split into two different types. One type is lasting and precious. Even after time and time and time, that gold, silver, and precious stone will still be a gold, silver, and precious stone. Right? But then there's wood, hay, and stubble. Up there at the parsonage in that wind, there was a piece of the corner over there on the front porch that was ripped off, some of that flashing. And then the corner piece of the roofing was pulled up and peeled back. And up there right in the corner, if you look up, you can see what was some sort of a plate there, and it has mostly rotted away. I mean, who knows how many years ago that was put in there, and you can see it's just chunked off. That metal is pretty much the same as it was when they put it up there. The color may have faded a little bit from the paint, but the metal itself has the same properties it did when it was placed up. That wood is not the same. Because wood, hay, and stubble are not lasting. They're not precious. They are empty. They're trifling. We do all kinds of work. Some of the work we do is precious and lasting. And some of what we do is empty and trifling. That's what we said. There's two types of work. That's the output. He will assess it. But then he will assess the outcome. And what's the outcome determined by? fire it's one thing to look at it and he and the lord say that's wood you say but lord I, I did hours a day of this for you i spent so much time on this but in the fire of god's gaze and god's assessment of our work there will be no disguising wood for gold if you did it 
for your own glory? If you did it out of spite or, well, I'll do it, but I ain't happy about it. I don't think that's precious gold and silver. Right? Amen. You ever had to do something in the church you didn't want to do? Yeah. Amen. You ever worked in the toilet? You've probably done something you didn't want to do. I've done things that aren't nasty work like that, that are more emotional, confrontational. I didn't want to do it. Why did I do it? Because that's my, that's, my, that's my post. I don't want to, but I'm, I'm going to. And the whole time I'm praying, God, please let me be doing this for the right reason. Because one day it's going to be tried by fire. And the one who's going to try it is the one who assigns it. He's the one who put me where I was and told me what to do. He's the one who is the head of all, who has established what we're meant to do. And when I stand before him, to see that burn up, can you imagine how disappointing? To stand before God and God to declare all the things you did and watch it just burn away. Can you imagine how disappointing? He will assess our outcome. It said this, every man's work will be made manifest. That means there'll be no faking it. What will it manifest? The day will declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Is it valuable? Is it good? Is it lasting? Or is it junk? I dare say there'll be a lot of things when I stand before God, God will say, you didn't do that good. You didn't do that right. You didn't do that well. You had the wrong spirit. You had the wrong attitude. You did it halfway. Right? What's funny is the Bible tells us that whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, as unto God and not unto men. And that idea is when you're doing something for everything you're doing, whether it's for your neighbor or for God, you need to do it like it's for God. But what about the stuff we're doing for God? Are we doing that like it's for God? I don't need to come in here and preach and think, well, it's for all of y'all. I want God to bless you. I want that. I pray for that. I want God to speak to you. But I can't get up here and do it for you. It's got to be for Him. Your Sunday school class can't be for me. It can't be because, well, that's what you got to do. It's got to be for God. Every, we, we did choir practice today. It can't be because I want to get up here and sound nice. It's got to be because I want to praise God. And I want the church to praise God with us. It's got to be for Him. That is precious and lasting. He assesses our output. He assesses our outcome. He assesses our honor. And we're done. He said, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So what does that mean? You say, well, you know, well, that, maybe they're talking about the sinners. No, no, no. A sinner cannot produce gold, silver, and precious stone. Because a sinner's works will never be observed by God. This is a place that is set aside specifically. When I, when I say their works, I mean outside of faith. That's it. Faith in Christ. One day they'll stand before God and it will be, is your, the, here's what they'll be judged in. Is your name found in the book of life? And that'll be their judgment. Well, our name's found. Those who are at this event Paul's talking about, even the ones who come and all their works are wood, hay, and stubble, will still be saved. See it? Yet, as, yet so as by fire. Which means they'll go in with nothing but their salvation. But those who come with gold, silver, and precious stone, when the fire is done, there will be left 
something good and valuable to give to their God. I want to give God something. I don't want to stand before him with nothing. The Bible says, speaking of the Jews specifically, they'll look on him whom they have pierced. Last thing I would ever want to do is finally shed this mortal coil. Go and see the one who died on the cross for my sins, who shed every drop of blood for me. And as I step forward, him to look at my works and then to assess it by fire and when he's done there just be ashes and I look on him with nothing to show for all he did for me I don't want that now I know my rewards are not going to stack up to some of these others the prayer warriors we've known they're going to have gold you know those ones who, that servant, Brother Tony was talking about that commitment mentality, and he mentioned a lady by the name of Miss Christine who taught Sunday school all those years at their church, little old lady. She just taught Sunday school for all those years and all those years and all those years. Those like Miss Linda working in the nursery, you know, who've given their lives to the Lord, and they never get put on the marquee, but they just give their lives and their heart to the Lord. And there's many of you here tonight that do that, and I guarantee one day we'll stand before God, and as the verse said, you'll be worthy of much more honor than me. But the fact is, I can't imagine standing before him and having nothing. I can't think of anything more dishonorable than him say, you can come in. And no, I get to go in, but I have nothing to give him. I can't repay him for what he's done for me. Man, I want to give him something. I want to have something to show for what he has invested in me. He's invested in me. He's invested a whole lot more in me than he has a whole lot of others. Giving me good God, I mean, raising a preacher's home. He's invested a lot in me. How horrible, unthinkable for me to show up with nothing. He is our master. It is he who we answer to. It's he that gives growth. This is the desire of the giver. His desire is when we arrive to present him with gold, silver, you know what he's going to do? Reward us. So what's that going to be? I don't know. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. I know a lot of people have a lot of different ideas, but here's what I know. He said he would reward us. He shall receive a reward. It's not heaven, because they both get heaven. So I don't know what that reward is, and I'm undeserving of one. But I want to have something to show, don't you? I want to have something to give him, to show him. And when he assesses my work, I want to have something to give him. This is the desire of the giver. It is God's desire to build us. It is God's desire to grow us. And that's not determined by the pieces. It's determined, it's determined by God. Who, it's determined by Jesus Christ, who is the preeminent. He decides. And all this, all we do, must be to please him. And if we will go about the work, you don't got to... You don't Now, I'll tell you what, men like Brother Gentry, who walked away from a successful, from the world's purview, ministry as a pastor, a church he started, right? He started Victory, right? Planted that church. And then go into a thankless ministry and missions. 
Now, that's, that's a big word. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that if that's not what God wants you to do to receive a reward and to present gold, silver, and precious stone. You know what you have to do? You have to be in the place God wants you in, fulfilling the post that God has given you to do, and you have to do it with this motivation. I want to please my God. If you can do that, doesn't matter if you're in a far country or if you're in your hometown, if you're behind the pulpit or if you're in the pew or if you're cleaning the church or you're taking up the offering or you're giving faithfully, giving extra or you're praying, you're a prayer warrior, whatever that thing is that God has and wants you to do, if you're doing it and you're doing it for His glory because that's what He wants you to do, then you will stand before God and you will have the gold, silver, precious stone of doing what the Master wanted you to do for Him. Amen? He's the giver of growth. The only way we're going to receive it is if we are in our place, at our post, doing our part. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.